Man, I love Advent. Don't y'all love singing those songs? I mean, we'll we'll ease more of them into worship as we move more throughout the season, but don't y'all love singing those songs? For me, they take me back to my childhood and and to Christmas in my home church and singing those songs in church. And when I watch families light the Advent wreath, I remember how nervous I was as a kid to go up there with my parents, not doing anything. I just went up there and stood like this, but I just felt like everybody was staring at me. But there's just something about watching the wreath be lit each and every Sunday, knowing that we are moving closer and closer and closer to lighting that candle in the center, to knowing that Christ has come, that the manger is no longer empty. And for me, I don't know about you, but for me, Advent and and that journey to the manger, it feels a whole lot like what coming home feels like. And you know that feeling. I mean, we've all felt that, haven't we? When, When you walk in your front doors for the first time in a long time, or maybe you went on vacation and then you had a long trip back, and you finally get home. You finally get to walk into your house and smell that smell of whatever your house smells like that you get used to when you're there every day, but then you're gone for a little while and you walk back in. For me, it's like, oh, I can smell our dog, right? I can smell Doc. I kind of forget that everybody walks in and smells our dog. Whatever, but you, you get home and, and you feel your shoulders begin to relax. And even though you know you have to unpack all of your stuff and put, put everything away and you got to figure out what you're going to eat for dinner and, and you feel all of that stress, but at the same time, you just... You just feel like you can relax, like you can breathe a little bit deeper, like you can actually be yourself. You know that you're going to sleep well that night because you're going to get to sleep in your own bed. For me, for some reason, that's what the season of Advent feels like oftentimes, is the moment when we finally get to come home. Maybe you felt that over Thanksgiving, right? Whether you made the trip to a family member's home or a home that you grew up in, or or maybe your home just feels a little bit more like home when you have all of your people there with you. But there's just something about coming home. Our, our little theme, our series this season of Advent is, is going to be that. That's, that's going to be our guide as we walk closer and closer to Christmas Eve, is that, that feeling, that, that journey, that peace that comes when we finally get home. In just a moment, we're going to look to our prophet for this morning. Something else that I love about this lectionary year. So we're in year A now of the lectionary. It's just guided readings for Sunday mornings that a lot of pastors use to guide their sermons. And it's a three-year cycle. And we're back on year A this year. And year A is my absolute favorite Advent season because it takes us through the words of the prophet Isaiah. And I think he has something to say to us this morning about what it looks like, what it feels like for us as a people to come home to peace. Because after all, that is the candle that we lit this morning on our Advent wreath. But I think if if we're going to be honest with ourselves before we really get into our scripture and begin to talk about peace, I think we just need to be honest and, and say that that peace is hard to find. Would you agree with that? In our world today, in the society that we live in, in the lives that we lead every day, I think just plain and simple, peace is hard to find. 
When I realized that this was the Sunday of peace and I read the scripture for this morning, I just kind of found myself thinking in this idealistic state, right? Like, I wonder what that would be like if we really did come home to peace. The reason for that is because the world is violent, isn't it? I mean, I feel like violence is just all around us in this season. It's around us in our community, in our bubble up here. It's around us when we flick on the news. We see people arguing with one another. It's almost like I feel like we can't go anywhere right now without seeing some sort of movement in our society that pushes us away from peace. I found a little bit of comfort this week knowing that Isaiah's world, the world that he is speaking into, the world that he is functioning as a prophet within, that his world is not much different than our world when it comes to peace. In fact, Isaiah's world, his context was full of conflict. We're going to be in chapter 2 of Isaiah this morning, but if you were to look back and read chapter 1, you would see much harsher language from him about the realities of his world that he is looking at. But these verses in chapter 2 that we're about to read together are, are visions that Isaiah has that God gives Isaiah of what is to come from our conflict-ridden world. Isaiah here in these verses, and I just want to make sure you don't miss this, right? He's surrounded by the same things that we are surrounded by, and he lifts his gaze up to see what the kingdom of God will look like here on earth one day. I want us to read it now. And, and what I'd love for you to do is, is close your eyes and imagine a blank stage because this is the first year of the new season of the Christian calendar. So wipe your slate clean, right? We're starting over right now. And imagine a dark stage with a lone spotlight in the center of a stage and out walks a lone prophet, the prophet Isaiah, to kick off this new year, this new season of the Christian year and to try to begin to prepare us for the coming of Christ. And this is what that prophet has to say to us this morning. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All of the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Judgment pronounced on arrogance, O house of Jacob. Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of God for you, the people of God, and we say together this morning, thanks be to God. The term for Advent, what we call this season leading up to the manger, comes from the Latin word for coming. 
So as we prepare ourselves for the coming of the Christ child, we call it the season of Advent. But I've also heard Advent described as the not yet season. Mary and Joseph are coming, but they are not yet in Bethlehem. Shepherds are ready, but not yet invited to come and see the babe that lies in the manger. The star is there, but it is not yet visible over where Christ is born. And of course, the Christ child we know is coming, but is not yet here. I think for this morning, we have to face the reality that it is not yet peace on earth. Today, during this season of Advent leading up to Christmas, I don't think it instills a whole lot of peace in us as we prepare for the coming of Christ. In fact, by the time we hit this point in the year, as we begin to inch our way into the month of December, we've already been primed for the big event to come, haven't we? We've been hit with all of the catalogs that we get in the mail that we don't ask for, that nobody subscribes to, that I don't know how they find our addresses, right? But it even has our name on it. With all of the Christmas deals and stuff that we need to buy, we've seen all the commercials, the new toys and the gadgets that our life just will not be complete unless we get for Christmas. You know what gets me every year is the car commercials with the bow on it. Who gets their spouse a car for Christmas as a complete surprise? I mean, like, I get it if you've been saving up for it, but a total surprise? If I did that for Madison, she would be like, what are you doing? But every year, it's Lexus, I think. Every year, they do this huge campaign where there's brand new cars sitting in people's driveways with a bow on top. Everything that hits the shelves around this time of year, all of it seems to be promising the same thing. Peace. It all promises peace. It all promises fulfillment. It all promises rest. It all promises to put us at ease and make our lives easier and finally give us peace. But in the midst of that, we rush to the stores to get the greatest gift We run to the grocery store and fight the crowds to make sure that we have all of the perfect foods, whatever those are for us and our families. And if we're not careful, it becomes more about us. It becomes more about things like presents and trees and lights and music. And and that's the tension between the Christmas season of our culture and the season of Advent that we experience here in the church. It's the tension that we feel each and every year during this season as we make our way to the manger, where we're stuck between two forces. One is calling for us to slow down, to cultivate expectant hearts as we prayerfully prepare for the coming of the Messiah and lean into that not yet, knowing that one day it will be here, while the other tries to convince us to hurry up, right? To rush to allow our heartbeats to raise and our breathing to quicken, to begin to worry that there's something that we're going to miss, a deal that we're not going to be able to take advantage of unless we are the first in line at the store, that, that pressure that we feel to make sure that everybody has the perfect gift, that push that I feel this time of year that there is always something else that we need to go out and get, something that we need to go out 
and buy. And of course, right, the tension is that both of these things promise peace. They both come with the same promise. And I don't think there's anything wrong with giving gifts, obviously, or cooking meals that are special for your family, or putting up Christmas decorations, or making sure that you go with your family to find the perfect tree at the Boy Scout Christmas tree sale, right? I mean, we all love that. That's part of the season. Those are my favorite memories of this season with my family. They're what make Christmas what it is for me. But in the rush, I think we risk forgetting the Christ child. You've heard this sermon before, but I feel like you need to hear it again because we need to hear this every season of Advent as we move into this season. In the rush, we risk missing the Christ child. And in doing that, we miss the real opportunity for peace. And I think that's why this text that we find with the prophet Isaiah is is so perfect for this first Sunday of Advent as we're just really trying to open our minds to this new season of preparation. Because it reminds us of the peace that is coming with the kingdom of God. Or in other words, the peace that we trust the Christ child will bring with him here on earth. And the images of peace are rich in this passage that we just read. I'm sure a lot of them were familiar to you as you've heard them referenced. Two of them in particular stood out the most to me as I was prepping this sermon this week. The first one is found in verse 3 of our text. And I just want to read you a little bit of verse 3 again. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. This may not seem like a verse when you first read it that screams peace, but I just want you to think about what this verse is saying to us, what the prophet is saying to us here in this moment. This is a vision that Isaiah is having of peoples of all nations and cultures saying together, seemingly with one voice, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord so that he may teach us his ways. This is a vision that Isaiah is having from people of all walks of life, people from all ethnicities, all languages, all ages, all social statuses, all denominations. You get it, right? All people with one voice, people who live in different neighborhoods, people who drive different cars, people who make different incomes, people who are different, all walking together up that mountain to seek the presence of the Lord. This This is a vision of all people, despite their differences, realizing that they need God more than anything else in their life. And not just that, but that that God, that God of peace, that God that they know is on top of that mountain, that that God rises above anything of this world that could divide them. So they ascend up the mountain of the Lord together. Whenever I read this text, whenever I read that moment, those words that the prophet is sharing with these people, 
I always think about the same story. And, and I'm sure that a lot of you have heard this story before. It's a story uh, about something that happened in 1914, right in the midst of World War I. And it's the story of the Christmas truce. Have y'all heard of that before? Nobody? Oh, come on. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. I was like, come on, y'all have heard of that before. But whenever I read the portion of Isaiah, whenever I read this text, this is always what I think of. Starting on Christmas Eve, German and British troops, right, because remember it was trench warfare in World War I, they started singing Christmas carols so loud that they could hear one another singing despite each being in their own trenches. And at first light on Christmas Day, some German soldiers began to emerge from their trenches and they began to approach the, the line, right? That, that no man's land line that nobody wanted to go into during trench warfare. And, and they walked out and they started to say Merry Christmas to the Allied soldiers, even making sure to say it in their native tongue. And so, of course, at first the Allied soldiers thought it was a trick. But then they too began to get out of their trenches and began to share Merry Christmas with the German soldiers. And they gave each other gifts of just what they had in their supplies. They began to sing Christmas carols together. There's even a rumor that a soccer game broke out, right? But just this radical moment of peace. I think what makes it even more dramatic is that this Christmas truce, it happened only five months after the outbreak of World War I. So it was one of the peak moments in the war as far as just how much fighting was happening between these two groups of people. And it is one of the last examples of chivalry between enemies in warfare. It's it's something that has never happened again. They've tried to repeat something like this. There's been other attempts at holiday ceasefires, but all of them were were squashed by officers saying that it was a trick or that it was going to backfire, that they couldn't actually do it. But whenever I read this text about all of these people of different tongues and different nations just taking a moment to ascend the mountain of the Lord, for some reason I picture that Christmas in 1914 of soldiers being willing to step out of their trenches and realize that if not just for a moment, there is more that unites them than separates them. And that the God that they serve, the God that they know is on top of that mountain, is bigger than anything that could divide them. It's almost like if not for one day, those soldiers ascended the mountain of the Lord together, seeking peace, knowing that despite their circumstances, peace was possible. The second image that stood out to me is the way that Isaiah speaks of of weapons in this passage. I want to read a little bit of verse 4 to remind you of what he says. He shall be a judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. In front of the United Nations building in New York City, there are two statues. The first is a pistol with its barrel tied into a knot, and the second is actually a man beating his sword into a plowshare. 
And I think both of those statues are probably inspired by this scripture that we find in Isaiah. And look, I, I know what I'm stepping into a little bit here. I'm not a total idiot, right? I, I know that a conversation about guns can get really political really quick. But I'm going to challenge you to do something this morning, and it may be a really hard thing to do, but here's, here's my challenge for you. I'm going to ask that you don't allow your personal politics to make you miss this radical notion of peace and hope that we find in this section of Scripture. Because up on this mountain of the Lord that Isaiah sees, the disagreements will be settled. The conflicts will be resolved. The violence will be over. Peace will be achieved. So much so, right? And this is something that I think we can't even imagine, but so much so that there will no longer be any use for weapons of any kind. There will no longer be use for even knowing the tactics of war, for even knowing how war works and how you win a war. There will simply be peace. There's a Christian organization that's been around for a few years that does their best to try and live out these verses. They go around and they partner with local blacksmiths and they take weapons of all sorts and they melt them down and they make gardening tools out of them. They work off of folks who want to donate their own weapons, right? Like donate their own guns or, or whatever else. And oftentimes the gun owners themselves will bring in a weapon and melt it down and make a gardening tool that they can take home with them. And I think that's beautiful because it gives us a chance to actually try and imagine what this would be like. They decided to take the scripture literally in this case to showcase the craziness that this would actually be in our world if the best use for weapons was actually something to break the soil so that we could grow something new. God is going to take tools of violence up on this mountain and bring life out of them. God's going to take tools of destruction and make them tools that produce something New. It led me to wonder how else this scripture might look if we, if we lived it out in our culture today. I think guns would have twisted barrels. I think spears would become plows. I think tanks would probably be amusement park rides or something that children could play on and climb on and swing from and jump off of. I think maybe soldiers would be playing soccer instead of fighting with one another. Our scripture ends with a calling to walk in the light of the Lord. A calling for us to come home to the light. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. And isn't that what Advent's all about? Shouldn't that be what we're doing together this season of Advent, as we look ahead, as we look at the weeks to come, as we, as we look at the journey that we're going to take this season as we make our way to the cross, shouldn't we be starting our pilgrimage up that mountain together? 
calling out to God as, as we make our initial climb, asking for his instruction upon our lives, calling for him to come and judge between the nations, and trusting, trusting that with the Christ child, trusting that with the God that we know is on top of this mountain, that peace will come, that there is no conflict too big, no amount of violence too great, that the peace of God cannot wash away. I don't know. Maybe that's why I just love the season of Advent so much, especially Sundays like this. Because to me, what that feels like is looking directly into some of the worst parts of our world, the worst parts of us as humans, how we can kill one another, how we can seek violence out against other peoples. God looking directly at us and saying, yes, but I promise you one day there will be peace. One day there will be no more fighting. There will be no more division. There will be nothing that separates you. In fact, you will all call out with one voice, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. And we trust every year as we start this season of Advent that the coming of the Christ child brings us just one step closer to that. I think our job this Advent is to climb that mountain, to walk in the light of the Lord, and to trust that when we finally get to light that sinner candle knowing that Christ is with us, maybe we will have come home to peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey friends, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for tuning into our message this week in The Gathering. We hope you found it meaningful and life-giving. As always, you're invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., either in person here in the chapel or online. If you want to know more about who we are at Bluff Park United Methodist Church, you're invited to check out our website. There you'll find out who we are, what we have going on, and how you can be a part of it. As always, friends, if there's anything that we can do for you, you're invited to reach out to us. We are here to help you and support you in any way that we can. We hope that you're having a great week, and we look forward to seeing you soon.